Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Beyond Trans, the Beyond Trans podcast. My name is Andre, and I'm your host today. And um, a reminder, the intention of our podcast is to uplift, bring upliftment to the transgender community and to humanity itself. So here we go. Thank you for listening. Know that your listening is an active participation, and I appreciate it. So today, our podcast guest, his name is Stephen, and Stephen actually helped to create this entire podcast, so I'm very grateful to you, Stephen. Yeah, I've been away from the podcast for quite a while now, mostly just, sorry, I'm trying to help, mostly just because um, I go to school full-time, so I have a lot of work that I do when I'm not out doing gay things. <laughs> Okay, so we've had email requests from people about coming out stories, and Stephen has shared a little bit of his with me. So I'm going to ask him to share it with everybody because everybody's coming out story is unique, and we can all learn from one another. So um, welcome. Welcome to Beyond Trans. Okay, here we go. So Stephen, if you would start with um, a little bit about your background and um, your upbringing, and share your coming out story with us. That would be great. All right. All right. Um, So I guess if I had to start anywhere, I would say with the fact that I grew up very poor. Um, My mom and her mother are both very heavily um, Tennessean, So there's kind of this, um, I guess you could call it southern comfort feel that you get from talking to people like that. And I grew up very much with this strong sense of hospitality being very important, as well as bluntness being a virtue rather than something that chases people away. Mm. But um, we grew up dirt poor. Uh, I had two siblings, both older than me, and I was the third child that wasn't really wanted, mostly due to money problems, but, you know, um, I lived in a lot of strange ways. I've been in and out of the state of Florida. Um, I was a beach bum for, like, one or two years with my mom living in a car once. I've... And so how long did you live in a car? And before you answer that, I just want to presence what you just shared about, you know, when we're growing up and someone says, you know, or they may not even say it, but there's that energetic of you're not wanted. It it can be so easily to just accept it that that's so. And so if the more you can, the more we can recognize that, the more we can realize that it's not so, that we really are supposed to be here on the planet so as it might have been ingrained to many of us that it's we're not wanted or desired um we very much are we're here we belong here so I just want to say that okay go ahead Stephen you're very much right about that I was actually gonna say um the thing about me not being wanted is it is very true I will say that I was very much not wanted by 
the people that I lived with, mostly because my mom actually discovered she was pregnant when she went in to get her tubes tied. She was um, in an abusive relationship with the man she married at 17. So she was, she had a very rough upbringing herself, obviously, and she didn't want a third kid, and she was also really having a rough time battling with alcoholism, so she was not ready to take on a third child, and she may not have meant it, but she made it very clear that she didn't want me. Though now I'm very, I'm sure that she does not regret anything she did, mm. but... Um, about me being a, living in a car for two years, I lived in a car a lot in my life, but the two years that I, the one or two years that I lived in a car down by Daytona at the beach, basically, we were classic beach bums, and I kind of went to the beach just every day and, you know, chilled out, and I think that's one of the best times in my life, actually. Because though I had nothing, I really like the ocean. Mm. But um, aside from that, I guess the whole... Um, I'm, I'm not good at talking about myself, but I'll say the whole personal aspect of my life that everyone needs to kind of base things off of are I was very poor and not... I didn't go to school much of my elementary years, and that is mostly because my mom either wasn't around or just didn't care. So I ended up not going to school and missing out on a lot of math, which is why I struggle in math now. Mm -hmm. But basically, I just, I don't know, I was kind of lost to the world mm -hmm. when I was younger. Very much just kind of one of those, like, throwaway kids. You see them once, you don't see them again. So when was it that you had language for and recognized that, wow, I'm trans? The first time I actually had any kind of knowing anything about transness was in high school, which was recent. <laughs> but, um, and the reason is, and how it's... Old, how old are you now, Stephen? I'm 18 now, okay. so I'm still very young, but um, the thing is, I grew up very much well. The thing is, I guess you could say I had like the classic trans story where you know from the beginning. But <laughs> it's funny because I didn't actually think I was different from regular boys. I actually thought I was the exact same, and my mom mm. actually raised me that way. And I think it's mostly because she was embarrassed to, I guess, I have a daughter who acted and sounded and looked and behaved and was a boy. Mm -hmm. So for the most part, she just kind of went with it and gave me my name that I use now because she didn't want to have to explain to strangers and or family why I was like the way I was. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of got raised thinking it was normal for a really long time, and I didn't have words or know that there was actually, like, anything, any kind of condition or that other people were like this. And so when did it come into play where your mother said, oh, wait a minute, this isn't right, I'm going to try to change you, and if you would describe that experience? 
for me, it was, I guess, the thing is, my mom, again, she didn't very much care about my upbringing. She was much more focused on my sister, who was, I guess you could say, the darling of the family. My sister was very much a girly girl. She was active. She was friendly. She was outgoing. She was feisty, and she had a lot of personality. Meanwhile, I was very quiet. But really, my mom started to reject my given identity when my sister was growing up and starting to move out. And when I actually started going through puberty, because I actually started puberty very early. I started in about fifth grade, and I guess I didn't... I was very upset with the changes that were happening in my body, and I started trying to fix them very early on. And my mother was kind of addressing it, but not really, until we lost our house, and we ended up moving in with... A friend of hers, who was, who is a 60-year-old, very deeply Catholic religious man, and at first he didn't seem to care until we started living with him for a little while, and until my mom, st they started to become romantically interested in each other, is when my mom started to become religious herself and push different ideals on me and ask me to dress in a certain way, and I think it really hit me and her this change when we were shopping for clothes. And I, I have a very bad experience with shopping for clothes because my mom was already very bad about that. But I just think of this a lot because I remember we were shopping for clothes and this was the first time she was ever making me buy girl clothes. And I was really upset and confused and I was crying in the store, and one of, and it, some lady, I can't remember if it was an employee or not, walked up to my mom and asked why she was making her son shop in the girls' section, why I was crying. Mm. And the look on my mom's face, it was, at first, it was horrific, because it was kind of like this, like, realization of, like, you're putting someone through extreme amount of pain, but then it turned stern, and she just kind of said a very, a very much southern response of, don't tell me how to raise my child, and then, you know. But it, it was a very weird experience, and the thing is, I, I grew up very much placid and under, anyone, under any elder's thumb. I wasn't outspoken or angry or rebellious at all throughout my childhood. I can't remember a time when I was ever really mad or going against anything she said, so I just kind of went with it even if I didn't like it. And I think me crying was as rebellious as it ever got. Thank you for sharing that story. And so what led you, so what happened next? Like, how was there a rift in, in the household and what happened and what did you do and how did you f find it in yourself to continue to move forward in your expression as being a man? Really, it's just the rift in the household was 
Dawn wouldn't say anything outwardly to me. Dawn being her boyfriend who was much older and much more religious and with different, very different worldviews. If you need to know the kind of person Dawn is, he voted for Trump. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> and he very much sides with the man. But um, basically, Dawn, my mother has had a lot of bad boyfriends, and she is very much prone to being manipulated by men. And the thing is, he was offering us a nice place to live. He was paying for food, for clothes, for gas. So she was willing to do anything he wanted, and that included changing me and raising me differently. And and how what did that look like changing you and raising you differently? Like how severe did it get? Well, I'll just say there was a lot more beaten and there was a lot more trying to force religion into it and trying to make me see through a religious lens and I'll say I ended up a lot of the times and the thing is Dawn also encouraged my mother to drink. She is an alcoholic and has trouble drinking, and she had been clean for, I don't know, maybe a year or two, maybe a little more, and she got with him, and he started her back up drinking, and I think my most vivid memories are hiding from her in my room, in my closet, with the door locked, with her banging on it, because I was afraid she would hit me again, Mm -hmm. because she tended to do that a lot. Or touch me inappropriately, and by touch me inappropriately, I mean she would grab my stomach and or my chest and describe my body and or tell me what I should and shouldn't do with my body. Just very, just things you shouldn't do to someone who is already another human being and not just a child that you're taking care of. So imagine that. Imagine your parents drinking. There's no stability. Not only that, they're trying to change you. Not They're discrediting you for who you are. Abuse, physical. Abuse, verbal. Psychic abuse. So what did you do? Did you get out? And if so, how? It took me a very long time, mostly because I was used to this behavior. This wasn't new to me. This was something I experienced all throughout my childhood. But it was new to me in the way that it was happening because suddenly my mom was treating me very differently just as a person and not as her child. Like I'm not going to say she never hit me before or didn't yell at me and treat me like crap, but she had never discredited my identity and suddenly something that was okay was not okay mm. and the thing is i'm i'm not going to lie i'm not the most mentally stable or fit person and i hit a very bad slump and i am mentally ill and i'm i'm not the thing is you may not be able to tell just by looking at me but i am very much susceptible to such things and for a period of at least two years, I went on with um, just sometimes, like, I just wouldn't move. I would sleep all day, or I wouldn't eat, and I did a lot of 
just, I didn't talk to anyone, I didn't have any friends, I, I literally, for sometimes days on end, I would just sit in my room, and I wouldn't shower, I wouldn't eat, I wouldn't drink, I would just sit there, like I was not even human at that point, and there was just a lot going on, and I just wasn't well, but this changed, and I did eventually get out because I had, I met someone through school who was also trans, and I actually reached out to them first because I was so desperate for somebody to talk to, but I couldn't talk to anyone because I am, I, I wasn't well, and I didn't know how to address people or be social. I, I never really knew how, but basically I wrote her a note, and I passed it to her, and I was basically like, hi, you want to be friends? And, you know, just telling her that I she was new at the school, and I could help her with her classes and stuff. She needed it. And we ended up becoming very good friends, and she eventually found out what was happening to me, and I I did get out, you know? But that was only after the worst of the worst had happened. Thank you so much for sharing that. And this moment, this very moment forward, I just, first of all, I want to acknowledge you, Stephen, for sharing about mental health because... We are, this moment forward, we are no longer tolerating mental health as a shameful thing. We're getting rid of the stigma around mental health. Enough. Mental health is a thing, okay? Mental illness, there's nothing wrong with it. There's no shame, nothing. It's part of our being. So, you know, if we're having mental health opportunities, go out, get counseling, get assistance. Don't be ashamed. There's nothing to be ashamed about. So many people, so many people, so many of us are moving through mental health opportunities. So you're not alone out there, listeners. Okay, and there's no shame. No more stigma around mental health. Okay, none of that stupid stuff. It's legit. It's real. You grow up in a toxic household like that, abuse, verbal, physical, alcohol, addictions, you know, homelessness, living out of a car, finding, you know, refuge at a beach, you know, it's like, okay, so yeah, there's going to be some mental health opportunities here on the planet and there's no shame in that at all. All right, so that's clear. We've got that. We're moving forward. That's set in stone. This so moving forward. Um, so you got out of the house, right? You're living with your new friend and how did you continue to progress on your transgender path? What was that like for you? Um, really, I guess it was getting over the fact that, and I'll say this very bluntly, that my mother doesn't love me. And the thing is, it's just, you get so harped on what these people that you're trying to please all your life, you you get so caught up in what they want and what they think of you. But I saw this quote once, and it really made me think about it. People can love their idea of you, but they that doesn't mean they love you. Mm. And it was mostly just kind of 
realizing that I shouldn't do anything for anyone else. I should be doing things for myself and just that my mother wouldn't have done that if she loved me. And also, about the mental health thing, sorry to roll it back, but mental health is extremely important. I grew up very much with mental health being kind of a stigmatized, it's bad, it's not real, psychotherapists and things are, it's all pseudoscience, it's not. It is real, and I was at the point where I was seeing and hearing things, and I was begging for help, and I wasn't receiving it because my mom instead would read me Bible verses and say that that would cure it, and that if I read the Bible every day, I wouldn't feel or do the things I did or see the things I did and all that. And, you know, I turned to a lot of, like, bad habits, like Andre had mentioned, like the, I I became addictive to some substances, and... I ended up doing a lot of terrible things to myself and isolating myself. And mental health is so extremely important in every trans person's journey. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be mentally ill to need mental care and to focus on your mental health because it's such an important part of your life. And as a trans person, I feel like my biggest thing in moving forward was my mental health and getting that under control. Thank you. And I just want to really acknowledge you because here you are. uh, This was before you were even 18 and you realized for yourself, given the the journey that you'd been on, you know, imagine being uh, before you're 18 and realizing, you know what, it's not about what other people think of me. I'm going to make my choices based on what I feel is best for me, what I feel to do rather than basing it on outsiders. So you know, we all, some some people say we come into this life, we choose our parents, you know, as souls for whatever lessons there are for us to be garnished this lifetime. So Stephen picked a, a crew of parents for him to really learn whatever there was for him to learn. And imagine, imagine now his sharing because all of that that he's learned already and he's sharing that with other people in the world, and he's making a difference in other people's lives based on his life experience and all of the trauma that his, he's been through. So he's not taking it and going, woe is me, and just kind of wallowing and, you know, living in self-remorse and whatever. He's taking it and he's using it and he's, you know, using it as a microscope, putting it under the microscope, using it in his art, he's using it in his service. I happen to know that he does some volunteer work with the trans community, you know, and so he's coming out in his unique way, in his unique flavor that works for him. Um, And, you know, I'm not being hard on us and saying, you know, we have to be strong and whatever. You know, our greatest strength is our vulnerability and um, kindness is the greatest force in the world. And so finding out who we authentically are and, you know, if we need to lay in bed for a day and whatever to recover, you know, whatever, whatever we need to do for ourselves, um, that matters. So share with us a little bit about, I'm, I'm interested in the part, Stephen, about how um, you initially, it, passing as a cis male was important to you 
and like where you are now in that journey with yourself, in your expression, in your persona as a man now on the planet, a young man. Like, what is that like for you? How have you, how are you transitioning? And keep in mind, everybody, there's no lock on this. Like, there's no like, okay, I got it down. I'm safe. I'm staying this way forever. I'm never going to change, right? It's a constant morphing, changing, becoming based on what we feel. We never have to stay the same. We're allowed to change. In any moment, we can turn on a dime. In any moment, we can... As my teachers have taught me, I love you teachers, thank you so much. You've taught me, you know what, you can turn that corner and change. Change, change, change. Okay, go ahead with your sharing, Stephen. Thank you. I would say the transition for me was more of mindset. I didn't really change the way I dress. I have always been someone wearing jeans and a hoodie. I didn't, like I said, I, I grew up very masculine and I am still presenting very masculine. But I think one of the biggest parts of the transitional journey is culturally, I had long hair. Not for effeminate reasons, but because I happened to be Native American and um, a lot of the people on my dad's side of the family, we all kept our hair very long and we all have black, long hair. And I think the biggest part of my journey just to becoming cis passing because i i don't i i hate to say that i like being cis passing but that's my whole goal mm -hmm. i just don't want to try and push that kind of standard onto other trans people because that's my personal standard and anyone else can present and come out in any way they wish mm -hmm. but for me cutting my hair was a big decision because culturally that was something close to me. There was something very important about having my hair and presenting in a cultural manner, but I had to make a choice because people weren't recognizing me as myself. Mm. And also my mother was trying to discredit the cultural reasons for me growing out my hair and keeping it long since I was young because that's what my aunts and my dad encouraged me to do. And she was trying to put a feminine spin on it and was trying to get me to put, like, bows and sparkly hair ties in my braid. And I refused to do that. So I guess really my big transitional moment and statement in kind of just coming forward fully and just dashing head on into it was getting my hair cut at a great clips and watching them take my braid and chop it off and put all two to three feet of it in a bag. <laughs> wow. Wow, that's huge. So um, is passing as a cis young man as important to you anymore or not so much? Or how is that for you? And what is that based on? Is it a safety issue or is it a heart matter? Where does it come from? I guess... As me, that is still a very big part of my life. It's still a goal. I still just want to be recognized as any other man on the street. And that's me. That's my choice. But the thing about it being, I guess, a huge part of my life now, it's not so much a huge part of my life. With me, it's more so me just finding comfort in myself. Mm, that's beautiful. Finding comfort in yourself. Because the thing is, I feel like... You get to know a lot about a person 
if you know how long they can sit in a quiet room by themselves. Mm. Because that's when you start talking to yourself. And honestly, I can't do that for much longer than 20 minutes. Because I don't like myself. <laughs> and that may sound terrible, but the whole point is that you're trying to work on it. Yes. And I think I better myself by helping others. Mm -hmm. Because even when I was high in a very bad situation, I was using all money, which I earned myself. I sold things and did a lot of things for money. And basically, I would buy and send binders out to young trans men who didn't have them. I would send out um, supplies to other trans people who randomly contacted me on the internet. I didn't really make long-term friends. I would just, basically, I would, people would reach out to me and I would give them things if they needed it. And, you know, I, I just feel like the biggest part of my journey and the biggest, I guess, thing for me was just kind of being open with it and helping other people. But, um, what was I going on about? I forgot the question. Um, what was the second part of the question again? Oh, just about um, passing. Passing. The heart, is it, like, what's behind it for you? Is it, is it a safety thing or just you want to? And I would say, for the most part, I just want to. That's just me. That's yeah. just me presenting. And as for safety, safety is also a part of it. Mm -hmm. I definitely want to stay safe. Mm -hmm. So, you know. Okay. And so, Stephen, if somebody out there is homeless, their parents have rejected them, they, ha they have mental health issues, and they're just recognizing that they're trans, what would you speak to them about hope? With hope, I'll just say that it's not going to get better immediately. It takes a lot of time. It's going to be really crappy for maybe even a good long while. You might be alone for a while with just yourself, and you might not have anyone to help you. You might not have a support net. You might not have any friend that you could reach out to even. And it's going to be rough. I'm not going to lie to you and say, oh, it gets better, there's tons of help for you out there. Not that there isn't any help, but it's going to be rough. And you're going to want to do horrible things to yourself, and you're going to blame yourself for a lot of things that happen to you. But the thing is, the first part you have to recognize is it's not your fault. First of all, it's not your fault that you are this way. The biggest part of that is just that's how you are. We don't choose how we're made. We come into the world like this, whether it be genetics or psychology or whatever. And the other big part is that no matter how long you go through that time of it being hard, you're going to find someone, you're going to find something that makes you want to push forward. You're going to find a group of people who like you for you. But you're only going to do that if you work on yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to start being you. You have to start presenting for yourself. Mm -hmm. That's well said. Thank you. And, you know, at the, a, a good foundational stone of loving ourselves is being, choosing to be who we are. So 
you know, Stephen left a, a home where he had shelter, food, water, a shower, this, that, and the other, and parents. He left because he needed to be himself. So thank you for your courage, Stephen. I really acknowledge you. Um, so hope, you've, if you're here and you identify as trans on this planet right now, you belong here, you were born this way, there's nothing wrong with you, there are many of us here on the planet, I recommend um, just do whatever you need to do to stay alive every day, if it's that baseline for you. There's a great book by Kate Bornstein out there. She's one of our transgender aunties, ancestors. She has a classic book out about, you know, alternatives to suicide. You can look it up sometime by Kate Bornstein. Excellent, excellent best-selling book in the transgender community. It has saved many of my friends' lives. Really well written. Okay, so... Stephen, we're going to turn the corner now, and we're going to move into some improv. Are you ready? All right. I can do that. Okay, so imagine, Stephen, you are living in a downtown area, and you are at a bus stop, and you're waiting for the bus to arrive with some of your usual folks that are there waiting on the bus, and... Um, what is it that you most want people to know about you without saying a word to them? What do you most want the people waiting for the bus to know about you? I guess if I had to say if I was going to give off any kind of feeling or presence, I would guess it would just be regular. I just want everyone to know I'm like every other person. I'm not special. I'm not different. I'm just there to ride the bus. And that's, that's about it. I just want to be recognized as a normal human being. That's lovely. Just there to ride the bus, just like everybody else. So we're all just here to ride the bus together. So. Okay, and now we're going to move into a guided visualization. So, Stephen, do you trust me? I trust you. Okay, so, Stephen, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And all of the participants who are listening, first of all, before we move into the guided meditation, everyone who's been listening today, number one, thank you for listening. Feel free to email us your questions, comments, or requests to our email address, beyondtrans at gmail.com, without the E. Keep the E for yourself because you are extraordinary. Beyondtrans at gmail.com. B-Y-O-N-D-T-R-A-N-S at gmail.com. Also, we'd like you to know that you're valid, that you belong here. You're not alone. Probably whatever you're feeling or experiencing, every other or several other or many other transgender folks have felt the very same thing. So no need to feel ashamed. You're valid, you're loved, you belong here. Okay, so here we go with the guided, guided visualization. So everyone's closing their eyes. Just take a breath and exhale the day. And now imagine in your school or business or whatever, your location, your city, 
that coming out is a no thing for anybody, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, or queer. Imagine coming out is a no thing in your city. What does it feel like? What does it sound like? What are you saying? What are you sharing? What are you listening to from others? And just feel that in your body, visceral. And then imagine the state that you live in. Coming out is a no thing anymore. It's no longer a thing. We all just are who we are, waiting to take the bus just like everybody else. What does it feel like in your body? And then now imagine the country that you live in coming out as a no thing anymore. What does that feel like for you? We're taking the future and grounding it in the present moment. Bringing it right here into the right here and now. What does it feel like? And then the whole world now. Imagine the entire planet, planet Earth, coming out is a no thing. We're all just waiting on the bus, on the ferry, on the bike. We're all waiting on the pedestrians. We're all waiting on the train. We're all waiting on the plane. Coming out is a no thing anymore on the planet. What does it feel like for you? What is the industry like on the planet? What are the people like? What is it? How is everything moving on the planet? What is the movement like on the planet? We're coming out as a no thing anymore. Zero. Zippo. How is your breathing? What does it feel like on the planet? What are people talking about? What's being built? What's being destroyed? what's being allowed, what's being welcomed, how are you being with yourself, how are you being with others, and how are others being with you. And then as you're ready now, Gently coming back to this moment as you're ready, gently opening your eyes. Knowing that you can presence that at any time during your day for yourself. If you're in line at the grocery or going to bed or if you had a rough day at work, can always presence that for yourself just by imagining. How is that for you, Stephen? Is there anything you'd like to share? Just that that was a, a very nice and good calming technique, and it really does just relate to the whole just being a regular human being kind of attitude. So it is. And is there anything you'd like to leave our listeners with as we wrap up the podcast today? I'd just like to say that I... I've only ever really shared that much about myself with one other person. And I don't talk to other people a lot. 
I'm, I'm like any other guy. I guess I just, I don't talk about my feelings. I bury them deep inside myself. And, you know, one day I'll die. <laughs> and that's about it. But I'd just like to say it's a very interesting experience to share this and know that someone could possibly hear it and maybe relate to it. And I hope they don't relate to it. I hope everyone's doing better than me. And I, I want everyone to be happy. And I want everyone to know that there is no right or wrong way to be you. You just got to do you. And also... A lot of trans people might feel rushed to transition as soon as possible. And you transition at your own pace. You be you at your own pace. But also, don't feel pushed to be closeted about yourself unless you're in a harmful situation. Come out whenever you're ready. And don't wait for other people unless it could be detrimental to your living situation or your health or anything. Well said, thank you. Yes, and there's definitely resources out out there for you. There's other trans people you can contact with on social media that you feel safe with. There's your local LGBTQ center. You know, you can get resources. So take care of yourself. And then I would just like to close the podcast by acknowledging you, Stephen, because thank you so much for sharing everything that you shared. And, you know, for the listeners, I would say that who Stephen is for me is really amazing. He really is like that. Like what he said for all of us listeners, he said, you know, I just want everybody to be happy. He really is that, like for everybody. And it's, he, you're just a very generous and kind person and you inspire me. So thank you. Thank you. Okay. So let's say we love you on three, Stephen. One, two, three. We, we love, love you. you. <laughs> and um, thank you so much for listening. Namaste. The God in me bows to the God in you. Namaste.